Well, I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined uh, by Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers of Inside Texas and on three guys. Uh, we are four days away here. Uh, it is time to get ready for some football action in DKR this weekend. Uh, Rod's doing what I do, which is rub my hands together. Uh, Rod, let's just start with you, buddy. You seem like you're ready to go, so I'm going to pitch it to you. What are you thinking about this weekend? Uh, oh, man, I'm thinking about a lot. Actually, I just watched uh, two games of Rice right before we got over there. So I've actually been doing some deep diving about Rice, about the game plan and what I think they're going to do. I usually break things down, like kind of reverse engineering game plans. If I was a coach of the opposing team, how I would attack Texas. And honestly, I wonder if Rice is going to come in and early on throw it, try to throw the ball to open up the run game a little bit, maybe. And all I'm talking about, you know, vertical shots downfield i'm talking about quick high percentage passes easy completions uh you know screen passes i'm talking about you know just getting that quarterback jt daniels in a groove early if you're going to if you're going to build a game plan around strengths right strengths of you know your team the strength of actually the the rice offense actually is the passing game not the running game the strength of the texas defense is the rush defense yep. and not the pass defense I don't know. I just wonder if, you know, the, the, the Rice coaching staff may try to take Texas uh, off guard a little bit in this uh, upcoming matchup. It's in the first few series where Texas may not be expecting. Rod, don't you think they, they're going to have to try to pass quickly? It'll be yeah. a quick passing game from Rice because you don't – they're run blockers. Let's That's what they recruited. And not very good ones. What? <laughs> <laughs> but, but what yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess my, my take on it in question I have for you guys, right, is, you know, they're going to have problems moving the ball, we think. Rod, you're just talking about how do they loosen Texas up early, basically? Yep, exactly. Okay. Um, and I think the way you do it is kind of quick passes early on. Um, and, and like I said, you can complete those, whether it be screen passes or we're talking about the slant routes. Texas has been really susceptible to inside cuts. I have the numbers, and I don't want to startle Longhorn fans early, but Texas has been susceptible to inside leverage. They really don't uh, hold up inside leverage really well. And you can get slant routes on them. And this offense is multiple and malleable. I mean, they they line up in empty formation. They'll come out and split uh, split back shotgun. They'll come out in thirteen personnel, twelve personnel, eleven personnel. Uh, they'll they, they're pretty. It's a lot of variety. And hey, Rod, they have decent wideouts. Maybe not vertical threat wideouts, but I mean McCaffrey, right? I mean they got some decent wideouts coming back. Three guys that started for him a lot of games. Yeah, Luke McCaffrey's the guy. You got. See, now they lost a lot of guys though. They lost uh, the guys that, that you know Bradley Rosner, the uh, now transfer of North Carolina. State. He was he's a six five guy, really yeah. good player, big target. He transferred. They lost Isaiah Esdale, who was a wide receiver for them, a veteran guy. He's gone. He graduated. Uh, another guy, uh, Cedric Patterson, was another really good receiver. For so they had a veteran wide receiving core. So now they've upgraded their quarterback. They actually don't have as many threats at wide receiver. So Luke McCaffrey a little bit easier to zero in on for yeah. a defense. But they man, they put him in the Wildcat. They do everything with him. They put him in the Wildcat. They put him out at number one, number two, number three. They move him all around the formation, and they're going to have to against Texas. So that'll be interesting, too, that little chess match going on. But I do think early on they may try to throw it. Texas rush defense is too stout, guys. It's just – That's what I think, yeah. It's really stout, man, and I don't see – Listen, the biggest advantage that Texas that, that, that Texas has against Rice is in the trenches, right? That's just the true advantage that Texas has in the trenches. And if you're Rice, do you really want to – 
play, you know, bully ball, you want to try to go up against Texas and try to run the football, that's a, that's a hard ask, uh, trying to move the football that way. Predominantly. What, have you, what have you seen on the other side of the ball? Where do you think Rice is susceptible or where do you think Texas should try to attack Rice uh, on from its offense going towards the Rice defense? Yeah, that's gonna. I mean, and, and Jerry said it. They they believe their strength is in the back end with their with their with their uh, secondary, and it is a lot of veterans, and that's a, a lot of their uh, consistent playmakers are in the back seven. I think Texas can run the football on Rice. I think Sark wants to be able to run the football on Rice. That is one of the question marks about this offensive identity of Texas. He wants to be able to prove it. He wants them to be confident in the running game. A lot of question marks. There. Hell, we're not even sure who's going to be starting running back with the running game. I think Sark wants to answer a lot of those questions, and he wants to infuse some confidence in the running game. And he's going. I think the, the, the passing game is going to be the identity of the offense. We know that. I think you may save a lot of that for Alabama. Uh, it just so Because I think that's where he's going to really open up this offense. Uh, you know, in terms of the entire playbook being open. It won't be open against Rice because they don't need it. Jerry, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, talking uh, to uh, Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and on three as well as on Texas football. Jerry, uh, latest in recruiting news, we're still waiting on a decision from Dominic McKinley, the defensive lineman out of uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, the five-star. The news on this one, Jerry, is all over the map. Like, I've been following recruiting for a long time. You know that. We all know I've been doing it 30 years now. Um, when it comes down to recruitments like this, it seems like nobody really has it pegged. And those are the ones that are the wild cards. They could go just about anywhere. Is that a fair assessment in your opinion? I think there's some colleges that don't have it pegged right now <laughs> based on everything we're talking about. Now, look, do I think uh, Dominic has a really good idea? Yes, but – I don't think some of these colleges know what that idea is right now based on what they're doing uh, behind the scenes. Um, but look, I can tell you that um, the mom uh, and Dominic continue to be in daily communication with Sarkeesian, Bo Davis. I mean, so look, is there were some reports that Texas was out? Well, I don't think you're really contacting people if they're out at this point. I, I think you'd be dodging that communication a little bit. Um, I still think this – Look, we'll see what happens. I still think it's coming down to Texas and Texas A&M. I just think the academics, the drive from Lafayette, uh, not to say he can't go somewhere else. Obviously, he likes Todd Bates a lot. He loves Larry Johnson. That's too far. Um, LSU is the one school that I don't think has a lot of confidence going into this decision. Um, I think there's always been a thought that he commits now. He's headed out of state. Does that mean LSU stops recruiting him? No. Uh, the Acadiana staff, when I was through there last week, said we're treating this like a commitment, not a signing. And, and so they know this recruitment will go on. Uh, but I, I feel like this is coming down to Texas and Texas A&M. I think there's both schools have some confidence. Um, and I, I, I know it sounds weird to say that, but um, I think Dom and his people are uh, uh, keeping this very close. But I do think this, when these kids commit set, set commitment dates, they always have a pretty good idea. But once you set the date, I said it before, the pressure kicks in. And he set his way out in advance. He didn't set it 10 days out. He set this thing out about close to a month out in advance. So everybody knew that they had about 20 days to swing away on this. And that definitely creates some, some pressure within this recruitment. Um, but, I, you know, the other thing you just don't have a handle on with this one is, is the circle all on the same page. And you won't know that until after this kid commits, unless something gets out in the next 24 hours. Got it. Uh, speaking with uh, Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers, 
Uh, guys, one of the things I wanted to talk about t- today, and Rod, I want to take you through this, okay? Because you, um, frankly, have been through this as a player and seen it uh, to your teammates, et cetera. Right now, we know there are some battles going into the final week of the season, some position battles. Uh, we talked about it. Cedric Baxter and Jonathan Brooks apparently are going toe-to-toe a little bit at running back, that, which is a little bit of a surprise because Brooks was thought to be the definite leader in the clubhouse there. Terrence Brooks and Gavin Holmes at corner, a position you played, similar situation. Um, backup quarterback, we're hearing, is a battle. You know, what what are your thoughts on it going into the last week? What does that really mean? I mean, if Sark says he's not really deciding on some things until Thursday, is it just that close? Is he waiting to see if everybody's healthy? like fully healthy or is it something else? I mean, what, what's the, what's the thought process there? Yeah. It's interesting, right? It's, it's different. I'll admit than my day. Cause I mean, think they don't even have depth charts anymore. Right. It's a, uh, I don't know if there's going to be a depth chart. Maybe there's not going to be a depth chart. I used to love to be able to see it visually that, Hey, I won the job. I, I see it. My teammates see it. The media sees it. My mom can see it. Dad, everybody can see Rod Babers won the job at corner, but it's a different world now. And I get that. So I don't want to be the old curmudgeon talking about that. But I, I remember my sophomore year, I had a high ankle sprain in the spring, actually trying to win the job. So I couldn't win it in the spring. Had to go win it in training camp. That's probably the closest that I came to it, having to win it in training camp. And I don't know how close it came. Um, I, if you ask me, I think I won the job overwhelmingly. Uh, but <laughs> I'm sure for Coach Brown, maybe it was a little bit closer. Uh, but I, I think for, for, for Coach Sark, you know, this is a first world problem that he's dealing with right now. Right? He's, it's a first world problem. He, he believes he's got four corners that he can put out there that he believes can be starters. So that's the first world problem that, right there. You, you're going to let that competition spill over potentially even into the Rice game and go, all right, guys, you know what? I have a, I have an idea who my frontline guys are going to be. Hey, you know, who's going to win that job? That's the guy that's in rotation. Uh, that and trust me, whoever you put out there versus Alabama, those are guys you trust. Man, Alabama's one of them games you don't get to, you know, that Rice is the only lead up to it. Man, that everybody gets to play, everybody gets a trophy kind of thing. You only putting guys out there, offense, defense, and special teams versus Alabama that you trust. So we'll know early on, really, really quickly, who who he trusts. All right, all across that team. Um, and I think he wants some of these competitions to spill over into the Rice game. We talked about it. You want to see a lot of people play. Obviously, the the goal is that Texas gets up and they have a comfortable lead and you can kind of work some of those rotations. But I think Sark wants that cornerback position. I, I think he wants that competition to spill over into the Rice game a little bit. Um, the backup quarterback position, you know, hopefully Quinn makes big plays, is out early, and we see Malik. And we get to see Arch. If we get to see Arch, we know that that game worked out almost right according to plan, right? It went according to the script pretty much. Because if we get to see Arch, we don't get to see Arch. I mean, Quinn was in there a little too long because the offense looked clunky and then it was out of rhythm, that kind of thing. So the ideal situation is we get to see Arch. You know, he can play in four games and keep his red shirt. This is one of them games I think we all agree. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I love it. That reminds me of like the movie Rudy where guys are walking in, putting their finger on the board and going down, seeing where they're at. It's not, but it makes me think of that. But I think I think some of the guys have a better feel, but that's what the whole thing made us. It just makes me think yeah, about That's what I'm about, man. Hey, yeah. right, we're going to get to y'all's questions in a little bit here. Uh, uh, actually, start putting them in now, if you don't mind. 
Uh, Rod, Jerry, and I are here uh, for the rest of the hour. We're going to be talking recruiting, team, whatever you guys want to talk about. Jerry may have an update on a basketball recruit that was in town over the weekend. For sure. Or it may still be – has he left yet, Jerry? He left at noon today. Yeah, Trey okay, Johnson. Okay, gotcha. So we'll have some updates on that as well. Uh, but first, we want to say thank you to our sponsor. Each and every Tuesday night, uh, the uh, Longhorn live stream is brought to you by Energy Texas. That's www.energytexas.com. It's Texas Electricity Done Right. They have a flex program going on right now where you can change your energy plan each and every month at no additional cost. So if you're going into winter, going into fall, don't need as much, give them a call, 855-461-1129. That's www.energytexas.com. We appreciate their sponsorship of the live stream. Hey, Jerry, tell folks a little bit about this basketball player. He's a Was he a top five player in the country? Yeah, Trey Johnson out of Lake Highlands, who's now at Link Prep in Missouri. Um, he is number four ranked kid in the country. He's been ranked as high as number one in this class in the 2024 cycle. He made his official visits uh, Sunday afternoon through today at lunchtime. This was a second official visit to Texas in hoops. You can you can visit as a junior. You can visit as a senior. You can visit the same school twice. Uh, and he did that. He'll also visit Baylor twice. He's going to he, I, I think everything I'm hearing right now is it's Texas versus Baylor. He's going to visit uh, Alabama. He's been to Kentucky. Uh, Arkansas still in it. But it feels like uh, Texas or Baylor for him. The G League is certainly a possibility. Look, I mean, he's he's going to have professional opportunities. Uh, he's already signed with a, a, a NIL company. Um, he is he's a guy that commands a lot in the NIL space. So he doesn't necessarily even factor into um, NIL within those universities. He's going to do it on his own. That I mean, that's how big he is as a prospect. Uh, but look, Rodney Terry coached his father uh, at Baylor when Rodney got into the college game. Trey's father, longtime high school coach Richard Johnson, was a player at Baylor. So they've had a long standing relationship. And that that plus the style of play has Texas very much in it. And I actually put notes on Inside Texas today, but he went over. He wanted to go see the football facilities and talk to Sark. On game week, Sark took 30 minutes to talk to him on this on this official visit about the team, about the Texas football program, Sark's perspective on the University of Texas. Look, Rodney Terry, Rick Barnes, Beard when he was there, they all did that for football too. So these guys are working hand in hand because you got to remember, Tavondre Sweat said, Kevin Durant was a reason he loved Texas, right? I mean, so this stuff goes hand in hand. A lot of these kids grew up playing basketball. So a lot of these football kids at Texas know Trey Johnson. Hey, that's great to hear. That's actually great to hear because that kind of symbiotic relationship, it it helps across the board. You mentioned Barnes and Mac Brown. Hey, track the track coach is important. That's right. And I mean, all of those coaches can be baseball. I mean, last year, Deuce Robinson was a guy that Texas went after that was a baseball player as well. Ended up signing with USC, but the point being, David Pierce has to be. All those guys, if they're working together, it, it makes Texas that much more difficult because not every university has that. All right, guys, uh, bef- I want to get started. This was the very first question, I think, that came in tonight, and I think it's a good way to start the Q&A portion, okay? <laughs> and uh, Rod, get your get yourself ready here, buddy. Got my notes. I'm ready get to go. On it. Here you go. From K. John, one bold prediction from each of you for the cu- upcoming season, not Alabama related necessarily. Hook them. Bold prediction, not Alabama related. How bold Ooh. are we looking? Yeah, here? that's good. Okay, 
Uh, bold prediction, not Alabama related. How okay? So, uh, is it bold to say Coin Yours is a Heisman finalist? How about that? <laughs> that bold? It, that's bold, my man. That's bold. That's a bold. <laughs> yeah. And, exactly. and I think there'll be a I'll lot of bold. people saying Rod Baber said it first. Yeah, I'm just saying. He said bold. I'm gonna get that. Bold. That's that's bold to me. That that's bold. Like that that's is bold. let let them hang, let them drag, kind of bold. <laughs> that's bold. <laughs> you know what I mean? There you go. That, but you know, obviously, Rod B. Usually, I'm a, I do a lot of note taking, so I'm a realist. <laughs> but you want it bold? There you go. That's bold. Because right now, go look at the the odds, the Heisman odds. I believe he's in the top three, top three or four, in most of the Heisman odds. So wow, put it out there. Uh, how many finalists they have if, if he's that good, Texas is in for a good season. You want bold? If, if that comes to fruition. Some Texas people got him in the college football playoff. If they're going to be in the college football playoff, Quinn had to have a good year. And that means if a Texas quarterback has a good year, they're probably going to be in the conversation. I ain't got him in the college football playoff, but, hell, some people do. I mean, I've, see, I've seen that in several predictions from college football analysts. So that's my bold one. There you go. You want bold? Give me bold. Bird Auburn, 46-yard field goal against Michigan to get to the national championship game. Oh! How it's going to end. See? You sure that's not Dusty, Dusty Mangum? Uh, hey, <laughs> 46-yarder in the college football playoff, down two to get to the national championship, but I don't know if he made it or not. That's bold Ooh, for me. That is bold. That's bold. That's bold. That's burnt orange Kool-Aid, man. That's, that's hey, yeah. Somebody asked for bold. They asked hey, for bold. I, I'll never forget the year in this – this is a true story. I was asked for a bold uh, prediction prior to the season one year. This was during the Charlie Strong era. And I had heard that Strong was not happy with his offense coordinator, Sean Watson, in the offseason. And I literally predicted the week before the season that Charlie Strong would replace his offensive coordinator during the season at some point. <laughs> but little did I know it took all of one game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my bull. Pre- what year was that, Jerry? You you, you oh. remember that? It was like oh, uh, 15 or something. Four, I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. It was right after the Notre Dame. I mean, one of the Notre Dame. Oh. I can't remember right. when. Anyways, yeah. long story short, um, my bold prediction uh, for this year, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to say it's the defense. I, my boldest prediction, and I know this sounds weird. I think the defense is going to be what leads this team. And I, I've been saying it, and I can't – that's not too bold, but everybody talks about the high-flying wide receivers, myself included, Quinn Ewers, potential – Rod, you mentioned that just now. To me, it's the defense. Defense, defense, defense. And I don't know if that's Jalen Catalan, uh, Jalen Ford. Uh, Rod, you made, a, you made a comment just a minute ago about Rice and who's going to play against Rice. You know, and throw them out there, and then let's see who makes plays. Yep, that's what happens when you have that much talent. You said it was first world problem. You have that much talent, you throw them out there, and you see who comes to play. And I think the defense has more of those guys right now uh, than than maybe anything. So I want to add to that, Bobby, because I was thinking about this. Because how how does this defense go from good? Because it was a good defense to great or elite, right? The last elite defense Texas had was 2009. Yes. How do you? How does this defense take that leap? One thing that we have, I think, been it's been underrated, uh, and we haven't talked enough about, guys, this is the first time since 2009, around that time, where you do have true coaching continuity on defense. You haven't changed a thing on defense. 
you know, you on offense, you had had you know different running back here. You had running back coach, but that was a good thing. To Sean Choice, you brought in a running back coach just as good uh, when you lost one. But then the wide receiver, you've changed some things there. But the offense is fine. That's Sark's expertise. But defense, you've got continuity at every level of that defense, and you got veterans coming back. These are guys in the same system. I talked about you know uh, on the morning show about you have tutors now. You know, when 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 PK and Sarkin first got there, they had to teach every player the system, top down, teach them, you know, the system, the culture, the expectations, everything. Now the coaches just have to tell tell, you know, exactly, tell the team exactly what they want, exactly what the expectations are, exactly what the game plan is. And now all these veteran players who've been in the system now two, three years, they can be the tutors and help the younger guys learn the system and learn everything. So I think the defense could take a huge leap just because you have continuity in that system now, and now guys actually know it and know their role within it for the first time in a long time. Uh, they have comfort a comfort level. Uh, in Rod, that Rod, did that help you? I mean, so oh. in, in all seriousness, I mean, because you guys were – you were y'all were just starting. You, were, you entered Texas at a time where Mac was just getting the roster going, right, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So I'm yeah. not – not taking away anything from anybody before or after you or whatever. But you entered at a time frame where Mac was starting to accumulate talent. So it's not unlike the time frame of people or of players that are going on right now at Texas. That Sark's starting to accumulate talent where you look over your shoulder and there's Cedric Griffin, NFL player. Yeah. And, then, and then you look over this shoulder and there's I don't know, Aaron Ross or I, mean, I don't Mac I remember who exactly yeah, yeah, about King, <laughs> there was a next up. Right. Does that help? How much does that really, truly help a guy who's a junior like a Ryan Watts or senior uh, or a guy that's returning like Terrence Brooks and fighting for a starting job? Yeah. I mean, we talked about it earlier. uh, and, And Jerry and I talked about it, too. When Texas gets to the point, I think there may be, I don't know, eight teams like this in the country where your roster is so loaded that your practices are so competitive. And I know that, hey, I mean, I went against Roy Williams all week long. I know Roy Williams is going to be a first-round pick. And if I was able to have a damn good week and have more wins than losses versus Roy Williams, uh, you know what? The, the guy I'm going up against, I'm sure he's a really good player, but he ain't no Roy Williams. So my confidence level is just at a – you know, at a, at a, at a, at a, at a supremely high level, right? Because I, I practice against the best every day. And the practices are actually just as tough, if not tougher, than the games – and not, not only did that guys you're going up against every day in one-on-ones and in team and everything, but then behind me, you're going to stack guys like Nasty Nate, Nathan Basher, Michael Huff, Cedric Griffin, you know, and Quentin Jammer is the guy I'm aspiring to. So in front of me or behind me, I'm either being pushed or I'm being either pulled to be the best player that I can be. And that's when you have the roster stacked. And honestly, not everybody can keep up. That's why you got the transfer portal for some guys so they can find their home. Um, but that's how, and we didn't have the transfer portal back then, but that's how the roster was stacked. And honestly, you're right. It, it lifted the competition level to such a high level where only two or three games a year, you were playing against guys in games that were as good, if not better than the guys you were practicing against every day. Hey, Jerry's got something he wants to pull up. But before we do that, Jerry, I want to yep. get to this question from Wayne Watson, a super chat here. Thank you so much, Wayne. Is there a game this weekend or a massacre? <laughs> <laughs> I love it when, when I, Texas I, I, fans. I, I, I love it when Texas fans get get that feeling in them. They, they feel like they've got some juice this year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think anybody's going to be singing. 
I don't think anybody's gonna be singing "Rice, Rice, Baby" Saturday. About <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> what did uh, What did JFK say? Uh, you know, why do we choose to go to the moon? The same reason that Rice chooses to play Texas. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard. It is hard. <laughs> Let's make it hard for him. <laughs> hey, Matt, bring that tweet up that Jerry just put out. I'll let Jerry take you guys through. on this comment. Oh, look at there. Oh, what? Hold Arch, on. Arch Manning and Trey Johnson on his Texas official visit when i said trey johnson wanted to go uh talk to steve sarkeesian and get the ins and outs of the texas football program there you go he called it <laughs> yeah he called it man like you know what I mean? how like that like nostradamus over there hey <laughs> <laughs> right, right, uh let's go let's keep going boomer beat says drop by for some steak next time y'all are in waco uh it'll be about a month from now uh let me know where it's at because i i am a sucker for for steak uh, question here, guys. What do y'all think on this? James JJ is DJ Campbell the nastiest OL? Should should I answer for David Williams in the comments section? Yes, you do. You do. I mean, now, look, yeah. we have some insight into the team, Jerry. Yeah, 100%. Give, give, give it. Give, do a uh, do this question, uh, Justin. Uh, no question. I, I think he is. I, I look. I think that is. He's got the frame. He's got the quickness. He's got the talent, right? He needed he needed a year to learn how to play guard. He was a tackle and defensive tackle in high school football. He had a learning curve with him. But the one thing he came to Texas with was he has the want to to bury people in the run game. And, 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 and I jokingly said it, but I didn't. When I asked somebody about uh, DJ Campbell this summer, they said the same thing about him. They said about Byron Murphy. You don't want it with him. <laughs> that's the way that's the way people think of dj campbell is he the nastiest offensive line in the run game is he one b to kelvin banks is one a maybe i think they're very similar though bobby i, I would say this after watching neto, neto umio zulu in backup action against oklahoma i'm not sure he doesn't belong in the conversation and i i tell you cole cole hudson is a he, he's a little he's a little guy that'll hip check you a little bit too so I, I, I like those guys. I'm, I'm all for that Pancake Factory group, Jerry, as a whole. Very, very strong, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Go for Broke has one, guys. Uh, I'm going to leave this one for um, Rod. It seems to me from uh, it seems to me that a championship team has a player with an unquitchable will to win. Vince had it. James Street had it. I haven't yet discerned if anyone on this team has it. Your thoughts? I think it's a good question. Oh, that is a good question. Um, you know, you ideally he's naming quarterbacks. You want your quarterback to have it. I, I call everybody's got a different name for it. I call it the competitive sickness. Yeah. Right. You want your quarterback to have that competitive sickness where it overwhelms him. Matt Brown talked to me about. It. He was like, you know, I got to the point where the losing hurt way worse than any joy that I got from the wins. And that's when he said I had to step away for a little while. But he was talking about his his version of the competitive sickness and what Gopher Broke is saying that he doesn't. Because I think for Quinn, he's so, oh man, his body language for Quinn at times can seem like it's a I don't know lackadaisical body language. Uh, and I think that people get the wrong idea from Quinn about that. I think that's why he's. I think he's he's changing his his image, which so he can change the narrative and change the conversation. Because I think he, I don't know if he's talking about exactly what go for broke is, but I think there's been a conversation had about the perception of Quinn Ewers. And I think he wants to change that perception. Now, whether he has the competitive sickness or not, 
I don't know. We'll see this year. If, if my bold prediction is right, then yeah, you got to have the competitive sickness to be a uh, highest winner. But you're right about those guys, man. They had it. Cole McCoy had it, his version of it too. Um, and that's it. That, that's the it quality, right? That nobody can really quantify that. We don't know if Quinn Ewers has yet all the physical measurables and the raw material. He's got all that, but we know the quarterback position it's more about the immeasurables. It's more about, you know, things you cannot really quantify than it is about the things that we can measure. Hey, Rod, did you play anybody, play with anybody on defense, or have you seen anybody on defense at Texas that had it? Because I think Jalen oh. Catalan has it. Mm, yeah, that's right. He is, yeah, it's a good point. He talked about him like that. Yeah. I mean, did you play with anybody that oh. had it? Oh, I, I play with a lot of guys that had it. I mean, Derek Johnson. Because it's only yeah. offense talked about, right? Yeah. So that's, that's the question. Casey Hampton. Casey oh, Hampton. Casey Hampton had it. Oh man, Kat, you didn't you didn't want to be around Casey after a loss, and you didn't want to be <laughs> you didn't want Casey to come address you when you were on the bench after a bad play. One thing I hated, I, I really did look forward to <laughs> uh, after a bad third down. Or something, you didn't want you didn't want to be the reason Casey Hampton had to stay on the field. Right. <laughs> he was ready to get some he was ready to get rest. Yeah. He was gonna come and talk to you about that third and seven that you gave up, that gave up, gave up four, five more plays. He wanted to come talk to you like he didn't know anything about the coverage or right. the secondary. He didn't know anything. He's like, Robbie, what happened on that third and seven, man? What's going on? I'm like, uh, sorry, I gave up the inside leverage on that one case. He's like, Don't let it happen again, man. Just get on it. And I'm like, Yes, sir, yes, sir. No doubt. You didn't That's want that to happen. Why I asked. That's why I asked right there. Yeah, that guy had it. No doubt. He probably come talk to the quarterback. He talked to Sims a lot too. Oh, you know, yeah. Casey, Casey would talk to everybody. He had a little something to say. He, he would make sure you you had you had to hear it. No doubt. <laughs> Love it. All right. I missed it. Who's the DB with Kool-Aid style of play? Who you were drinking the Kool-Aid, Jerry, is the comment there, right? About yeah. the uh, uh Rod was saying that uh Jerry had drinking the Kool-Aid because Burt Auburn apparently is going to hit a 46-yard field no, goal. No, attempt one. I don't know how it's gonna end up. Oh, wow. okay. Attempt one. I thought you said he hit it. Uh-huh. Now, my bold prediction is he's got a 46-yarder against Michigan, and if he makes it, you go to the national title game. That's my bold prediction. That's getting you right there. I can't I can't control what happens with the kick. How yeah, long was Hunter Lawrence's well. kick? How long was Hunter Lawrence's kick against uh, against our guys at, in Nebraska? Was it 49, 46? I can't remember. I can't remember it. Yeah. UT boys, family, you got it, buddy. How about this one uh, from Cool Joe? Which school having a below average to bad season, like A&M in 2022 that helped with Anthony Hill, guys, That's right. uh, oh, would yeah. benefit Texas the most on the trail in 24-25? That's a really good question because not only did that help Texas last year, the year before Mario Cristobal taking the Oregon job helped Texas immeasurably with Kelvin Banks and Cam Williams. Uh, look into your crystal ball a little bit, Jerry, and tell us what you think on this one. It's LSU, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I, I just – I don't think it's – I think Brian Kelly's too good of a coach. Uh, but that's the team. Now, and B is the same team it was in 2022. Mm-hmm. If, if that happens, they're going to have a new coach. They're right. not going to – I mean – Right. Like, if somebody threw out George on the comments, Georgia – Going nine and three this year doesn't that doesn't help Texas in recruiting. Georgia still won two national titles. It's it would be LSU looks like they're ascending after one year, beating Alabama, going to the SEC title game. Then if they had a step back type of season, whether it's injuries or for whatever reason, that might help Texas a little bit, especially as much as LSU's recruiting in state. 
hitting Dallas area, which they've never really hit before, and they're really working I-20. That might help Texas a little bit because Brian Kelly got off and running with that win against Bama and getting an SEC title game, and that overrides any loss to A&M or a bowl game or anything like that. Got it. Uh, speaking with Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers of Inside Texas on three, as well as on Texas football. Uh, guys, I want to uh, take a second here uh, to talk about our sponsor. That's Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. Uh, Energy Texas, when you choose them, you have what they call the flex plan. Uh, essentially, uh, you can choose your energy plan the month before it happens at no additional call, at no additional cost. Uh, look it up www.energytexas.com or call them 855-461-1129 Energy Texas Texas Electricity done right boy I, I'm I'm interested in this question here Rod I'm going to give it to you and Jerry I think all three of us should answer this one when you get a chance here what's the number one thing you're looking for in the game versus Rice you only get one thing dominate line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball Dominate the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball, headed into Bama. Fair. Um, yeah, I, I'm going run game. You can't run the ball versus Rice, then That's it's going to be a long year for that run game, man. Especially coming off the bowl game and how the run game looked without Bijan and Rojo. First look at the run game. Well, not first look, our second look, hopefully, but hopefully a better look with the run game post Bijan and Rojo. That's what I, I really want to see that. I, mean, I think everything else will be okay, but that basically goes kind of what Jerry said too, the link to the line of scrimmage play. Gotcha. Guys, I'm going for the crispness of Quinn Ewers. Mm. Does he look like a 70 to 75% completion guy this year, or does he look like a 60 to 62% completion guy? Because you literally should be able to tell a little bit of that in game one because he's going up against guys that, where the windows aren't going to be necessarily as tight as they will be later in the year. That's a good point. The Christmas of, of, of uh, Quinn Ewers is what I'm looking for. Cause I think he, as he goes, so goes a lot of this Texas team, as long as the defense holds up there into the bargain this year, uh, which I think is going to be good. All right. Uh, thanks Phantom for the question. Michael Williams with a super chat. Is it accurate to say what makes Alabama, Georgia, et cetera, every year, is due to them having four and five star backups who push the starters for Texas, Baxter, Muhammad, Anthony Hill are going to make our starters better. I think that it is part of that. Rod or Jerry, y'all want it? Which one of you guys want to take this one? Yeah, I, well, I definitely think it's part of it. Um, it's easy. And once you get established as a program, it's easier to recruit those four and five stars that know they may have to wait a year to really push for a starting job because all the guys in front of them are still getting drafted. So it's an easy sales job, right? At that point. But yeah, it absolutely makes you better. I, I, I'm going to let Rod get to it. Uh, but you know, look, when you talk, when you talk to these guys uh, after that, that, you know, in recruiting, you talk to them after their uh, playing days are over, or they're in the NFL or whatnot to a man, they say the competition pushed them. Yep. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, Anything we do, the competition pushes us. So, Rod, I i mean, look, who are the starting DBs when you went in at Texas? Q, Q Jam was one of them, right? Quinn Jammer was a, was a starter. Uh, my man Ahmad Brooks was uh, a starter in there. I remember Irvis Hill back in the oh, yeah. day when I came was a starter. Uh, and I remember guys like Joe Walker, who I look, look up to. But, man, when I when they first when, – when Max started recruiting, you know, 
basically these big time, highly ranked classes. It started with 99 and we were the number one class in the country. And we had some really good DBs in that class. I don't think I was even the highest rated DB in that. I think it was Money Collier, actually. Uh, and you remember Kendrick right. Turner? We were at yep. Kendrick Turner, too, who was a he was oh, fast. Man. He ran like a 4 2 something, I believe, yeah. in the 40, man. He was, he was ridiculous. This guy actually, he ran a fourth. We, we were timing for during spring ball, real quick. Sorry. And he ran a 4 3 after he slipped down. <laughs> and then still caught up. He was he that dude was a next level fast. So they were really good DBs in my class. But then you got to the point where they recruited guys like Nathan Basher, yeah. Michael Huff, Cedric Griffin. Those were guys that were behind me. And listen, guys, I'm a I'm a football theorist. You guys know I know ball. I knew those guys had higher upside than I did. I mean, I I'm, I mean I'm just I'm a realist about it. Yeah, all right, I, I was a realist about it. But they weren't gonna take my job. That was it's a different discussion. Then yeah, you do got a lot of upside. But like you said, Jerry, you want to wait your turn. Because I'm working on my draft stock right that's now, right. and you're gonna push me to be the best player I can be. And I, I, and I, you know, that's the whole point of the room. We want everybody to be the best player. We get the best out of everybody, and then we let the chips fall where they may. Who's the, who? Are the best players? Once we let this get this competition, uh, get to the the highest level it can get to. So there's no doubt, man. When you get that that room stacked, and like I said, when you get to the point where like eight teams in college football, maybe less than that, where the practices are tougher than the games because you actually are practicing against NFL talent and you are competing against NFL talent every day, that's when you start getting to the championship conversation again. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. All right, uh, guys, I want to go to a question here that's a little bit offbeat here. Uh, but Zach Delgado, I've got my, my answer for this one because uh, I actually went and saw him in high school. Who is the best recruit from the El Paso region you have seen? Okay, I don't know if you're going with the 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 guy Rufus Jones that went to FSU. Rufus Brown. Rufus Brown. He, he was really good, but he was not the best. Uh, the best may have been the D tackle that didn't pan out at Texas, Andre Jones. No, no, I, it's before that time. Okay, Andre he came Jones. Out the same year as Major Applewhite. Andre I'm Jones myself. was a whale of a talent, Bobby. Right? I mean, he what's was that? Andre Jones was oh, a whale yeah. of a talent. Yeah. No, it was uh, it's Ed Stansberry. Play, ended up playing fullback at a, he was a quarterback in high school. Yep. Uh, I think it was for Coronado uh, out in El Paso, and he was down to like Texas, Notre Dame, Florida State, uh, and UCLA. And this is back when UCLA was the it school in mm. Southern California, not USC. And uh, he went there as a quarterback. Ended up being a fullback, and I think he played several years in the he NFL. Did. He did. He was a. I mean, he could do it all at quarterback. He was kind of fun to watch. He's that big. Kind of, kind of guy, but I don't. I'm sure there's been others. Steven Montez, the the quarterback at Colorado a couple of years ago, Jerry was from El Paso. Uh, there's been quite a few. Uh, the running back for UTEP, 
that is now in the NFL. Uh, the uh, can't remember his name. Played for UTEP. He's now the starter, I think, at Green Bay. Andre, it's not Andre AJ, Jones. No, no, oh no, you're right. Um, I can't think of his name, but I know yeah. you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah, gotcha. Anyways, but Ed Stansberry is my answer, Zach, uh, on that one. Rod, let's go to you uh, from King Me. If we're running mostly man coverage this year, which dual threat QB scares you the most? Oh, that's good. Um, obviously, if Jalen Milrow gets a lot of action just early on, we know that's going to be an issue with Jalen Milrow. Um, and even Sark brought this up during the, the, the scrimmages, right? He said, that's how we learned about the 20 miles per hour run from Arch Manning because they're playing man coverage. They got their backs turned and then they lose contain on the quarterback. So I would say Jalen Milrow, number one. Uh, Will Howard also has got to be in that conversation, man. I mean, I still remember that run. Was that 2021 where he jets off and then basically burns away from burns off on the Texas cornerbacks and DBs? So Will Howard, he's got he's got some some wheels so he can go. He's definitely one of those guys. And at this point, man, you have so many quarterbacks with functional mobility. So, you know, they can all quarterbacks can kind of move around a little bit and keep plays alive. But those are probably the two guys that that immediately jump out. Jump to mind. Will Howard beat TCU with his legs a little bit in that championship mm-hmm. game. Yeah. He's a smart runner as well yeah. as a good runner. Can I throw one out to y'all? Because I yeah. think the scheme and the play caller is going to help him greatly. Donovan Smith at Houston. I don't know if he's going to have an offensive line around him, but Dana Holgerson is a really good play caller. And now he he's going to maximize what that guy can do for University of Houston. Yep. And even short yardage, he hurt, first, hurt, hurt Texas versus, you know, with Tech. Yeah. The same way. Yeah. All right, uh, guys, uh, got some time here. Got about 20 minutes left. Uh, get in your questions. We'll try to get to them as quickly as possible. I've got Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and on three alongside me. Also, please remember we have a special going on right now for InsideTexas.com. It's $1 for one month. It's a trial introductory offer. Uh, guys, there is no place better than Inside Texas when it comes to subscribing uh, Rod, it was Rod. will even tell you, uh, he actually, he actually wanted to do a show because he loves to read Ian Boyd's stuff, uh, on inside man. Texas. Uh, mm-hmm. Jerry, obviously in him, longtime friends as well. Long story short, try us at inside Texas.com. Uh, uh, let's go to this one guys, uh, before we get going next. And that is from Poke Casino hook of the boldest, coolest scenario in, in Poke's, uh, idea is Texas beating Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship, beating USC and Lincoln Riley in the first round of the playoffs, and then beating <laughs> Georgia for national champions. That sounds like murderer's row, those last wow. two to me. Yeah. yeah. And two totally different ty- styles of football. Oh, yeah. That would be a hellacious uh, college football playoff, two victories, because you're talking about offense, extraordinaire, and then you're talking about the, the combination of Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp and the talent at Georgia. That's pretty scary. Hey, Rod, Rod, here's a question for you. Texas uh, came into the Big 12 with a championship. Mm -hmm. They want to leave the Big 12 with a championship. It'd be awesome. You think the Longhorns are going to win it? You think you got K-State? Who do you got? I got Texas winning it. I got Texas losing to K-State in the regular season, but then beating K-State in the Big 12 title game. That's how my preseason projections have gone. So, I mean, listen, we can – we can project this, but the truth is Texas has won, but three Big 12 titles. In, not enough. 
Since they haven't the, won enough. That's the answer. Since the inception of the league. Uh, so, I mean, if, if Sark could do it, 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 it would it, it would immediately make him a made man around here because we just haven't – Texas hasn't had a lot of titles, uh, had more, you know, some appearances in there and had a chance to win it. But we should have won more titles than that. I think we all know that. So I'm with you, Bobby, to, 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 to bookend it, uh, to win the first Big 12 title and then your last opportunity to win one on the way out, that'd be the best way to do it considering the truth is we've underachieved in this league. And we want to make a new, a new statement on our way to a new a new league. I, I'll say this: I'm not a, the biggest guy on the refs, you know, conspiracy theorist type of stuff. Not that it is conspiracy theorist. Charlie Strong got bumped. That was one of the worst calls of all time. Bryce Young was a safety. But if Texas is in the Big Twelve championship game this year, they better start fast and get up a lot. That's all I got to tell you. Oh, that's, wow. the one, that's the one time that I would not be shocked. How did Texas get such a favorable schedule? If we let's just go into grassy no well, for a I, second. Texas, how hey, did they get a favorable schedule in the Big Twelve? They only leave the state like twice. They have a great schedule to be in the to make to win ten regular season or eleven games. They have a great schedule. I disagree with you guys. Well, it's because really? Iowa State's kind of falling apart. That yeah, was no, true. That was a exactly. different road game seven months ago. That's your only road, yeah, exactly. Time out. Let me let me give me let me give my piece here. Okay, <laughs> I talked to Phil Steele. Texas is the only team in the Big 12 that plays the five of the top six teams in the league, right. according to him. Okay. The only one that plays all five of the other uh, top six. So, the, obviously, Texas is one of the top six. But, I mean, I guess the point there is, of those top of those five, how many are at home? Kansas home, OU's neutral, K-State's at home. Texas Tech's at home, so their only road game amongst that group is TCU, right? Yep. He still had Baylor in the top six. No, okay. he's wrong. <laughs> I may be. I mean, y'all are down on Dave Aranda, man. Y'all hate no Aranda. Like no, that. I'm not. I'm not down. I, I I respect Dave Aranda's a defensive mind. I I just from a recruiting my job standpoint. Uh, okay. I think they've kind of slowly fallen off there. In terms of speed and physicality combined. Hey, looking at this schedule, uh, I predict Mock Schnell. So I, I wanted to put this up while the schedule is there because Mock Schnell is mentioning. I predict T Texas Tech is decimated at DKR. We will never hear from those Sand Aggies ever again. Um, the 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 reality of it is, you know, Tech has done a little bit better, Rod and Jerry, of creating a roster that has a little more depth than what we were accustomed to, certainly under Cliff Kingsbury, but even under Mike Leach as well. Jerry, you mentioned um, the roster depth at Baylor and, and wondering where that was at. T I, excuse me, Texas Tech has improved their roster, no doubt about it, right? Yeah, I think they've done a really good job um, of recruiting speed and speed with size um, at skill positions. I think that they've done a really good job. Um, and it shouldn't come as a surprise. I mean, Joey McGuire was prepared when he got the job. He won multiple state championships in high school in Texas. He is a friend of Texas high school football coaches. Those guys who are friends of Texas high school football coaches, they get told, hey, I got a kid that not a, people, a lot of people are sleeping on. You might want to take a look at him. That matters. Uh, but they've done a really good job evaluating and adding speed to the program. Am I saying they're going to go 11-1 and one and go to a college football playoff? Uh, no, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is they have a better roster today than when he took over. Now, they still got to go get that done, but they did pretty good in year one. Yeah. 
Can I ask a question real quick though? Is it, are they taking the model where they just are recruiting specific traits that are elite traits, not necessarily an elite player, but elite traits. And then, Hey, we'll, we'll develop, we'll fill in the gaps. We'll develop all that stuff. Cause that's been a big 12. Like Gary Patterson was big on that. Matt rule was kind of like, is that basically what he's doing over there? And Art Riles and Art. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Absolutely, what they're doing. That's exactly okay. what they're doing, Can and hoping and hoping to develop them over time. Okay, and you know, and you know what's easier about that now than ever is the portal. You're right. If some of those guys need some time and development, once you get them there, okay, he's not as far along as we thought. Okay, we can go to the portal. Mm, that's a great point. Yeah. All right, here we go. Um, let's see here. I had something that was interesting. This is for a friend of ours, Steve Booth. I, there's a couple questions here. One is, how many yards for Jonte this week? Another one was about DeAndre Moore that I saw earlier. I couldn't find it again. Uh, asked about DeAndre Moore, and he, could he be a sneaky surprise of this uh, freshman receiver group, in your opinion, Jerry? Uh, so how many yards for Jonte this week? I, I'm on record. I think he's going to score against Rice. Uh, I, I think uh, – those Rice DBs are going to have some hands on hips and they're going to rotate Jonte in. He's going to give him a little double move and race right by him. Um, <laughs> I think Jonte is going to put one on the board because UT boy has to have it that way. Um, DeAndre Moore, could he be the sneaky best receiver in this class? So you're talking about Jonte Cook, DeAndre Moore, and Ryan Niblett. What's interesting is Jonte Cook is, I think, is the most ready guy for sure. Uh, We had Derek Johnson on. He's saying margin hooks is praises too. Margin hooks is not good. He's great at training high school wideouts to get them prepared for college. So many of his guys come in and are impact players. So yes, Jonte has the talent, but he was also smart enough or his dad was smart enough to get him with margin hooks. So he understands how to gear down and gear down against power five athletes. Hmm. Uh, So he's way ahead of the game. DeAndre Moore is the smoothest. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt. He's as smooth a route runner as you'll find. Then Ryan Niblett's the most explosive athlete of all of them. Uh, and I think it's interesting. And uh, Niblett's the most raw as a receiver. But I think Jonte's probably going to be the best because he has that big play capability. But I think DeAndre Moore is one of those guys who, when he's done at Texas and he gets drafted, the Texas fans are going to say, you know, he might have been one of the most dependable receivers Texas has had since mm-hmm. 07, 8, 9, that area. Yep. All right, uh, going to go here with Thunder Pup. Thanks for the uh, uh, super chat. Am I drinking the Kool-Aid for thinking Texas will win over Alabama? I think Texas will have a better defense than Alabama at the beginning of the season. Rod, there was a, a, another question that can, I can kind of combine with this one uh, to get everybody's in at the same time. How much of an advantage is it a true advantage that for Texas – that Alabama is breaking in two new coordinators, one on offense and one on defense, to start the season. They're playing this early. Now, late in the year, that could be mitigated. But this early, is that an effective value to Texas and how much of one? Uh, Yeah, it's definitely an advantage for Texas that, you know, Alabama doesn't necessarily know who their starting quarterback is going to be. They've been splitting those reps in training camps, splitting those reps in the offseason uh, for Quinn Ewers, he's been getting all those reps for the first team, right? He uh, So he's been supplanted, uh, cemented in that role. And new offensive coordinator with the new system, new defensive coordinator. So there's so many 
question marks for Alabama. Um, but you do have, obviously, the GOAT, Nick Saban. <laughs> um, so I, I do think for Texas, there are some advantages they have in this matchup. And a lot of it is continuity, something we have not been able to brag about our champion for Texas in a long time. Continuity with the coaching staff, continuity with, you know, the, the entire offensive line coming back. I saw Joe Cook tweet out that stat today that was mind-blowing that for the first time since at least 1993, you're bringing back all five starters on the O-line. That is, that's wow. That's crazy. Um, and then you got your starting quarterback and then you got the upside of all those skill positions. So I do think Texas, I'm not, listen, by the game time, I probably will be ready to pick Texas too. I haven't, I'm, I'm going to do my research and watch film, but I guarantee you I'll come up with a game plan that I think is worthy enough for Texas to beat Alabama by that time. And I think it's going to be a close game right now. I got Alabama winning that matchup. So I think I got a winning by like three points, like a field goal. I forgot we went through these projections, predictions, but I we, think I, we're all I, Rod. I think that we all were within a score. The, yeah. the question I have and, and worry about that game, to be honest, is if if Alabama gets on top of Texas early, um, what happens? Does does Quinn bog down the offense bog down and the, the defense get tired? What I don't want to see in that Alabama game, the worst thing that I could see is Arkansas in 2021. Oh. No, I Those don't think we will. I'm not saying we will. That, but that would be a downer for the Texas Longhorn Nation. Mm. Correct. That's yeah. like the worst thing you could see in Tuscaloosa. I, I think that what we want to see is a competitive game uh, and one where the Longhorns uh, fight 100 percent to the end. Uh, I don't think Thunder Pump is drinking the Kool Aid here at all. Texas mm. is—they were within a field goal, a missed field goal of winning the game last year. I mean, if Quinn Ewers stays healthy, it might be a different outcome altogether. And I think in this game, Quinn this is the thing, whether you like it or whether you don't, I think Quinn Ewers is going to have to win that game for you. Gotcha. If you're going to win it, it's going to be Quinn having – he's going to have to have one of them performances where he – an epic performance where he ends up winning the game and making some key plays. If not, then you're not going to win the game. You'll stay in the game. But if you're going to win it, he's going to have to be the guy to help you go do it. All right, Quinn Bo here. Based on yesterday's predictions, it seems you have Texas averaging under 40 points per game. What's the theory behind this? The new clock rule or not just high on the offensive output? I want to say this, and I keep going back to this, but he's a stat-minded guy. Phil still had Texas averaging 39.1. So under 40 is not necessarily the barometer. The barometer, if if somebody said that Texas is going to average 35, that would be a big big difference, right? 40, you know, if Texas average is 38, nobody's going to cry about that, are we? No, it depends on how they win the games. If the defense, as and we've talked about, if they take a step, and, and and Sark has already said this, right? He said he wants to win with complimentary football. He's been talking about using that term since he got on the 40 acres. And what that means is it's not necessarily about scoring the most points. Yeah, even Mike McCarthy has talked about this, and to, <laughs> the Cowboys fans have mocked him. But it is, he's talking about complimentary football where, hey, we win and they comp- where all phases are contributing and all phases are playing at a really high level. And maybe that doesn't mean that, like Lincoln Raleigh's teams, you have the offense with a kind of lopsided blueprint to win. Your defense may be an anchor or a liability while your offense is elite. Sark doesn't want that. And I think that's that's why you may see a team that's not – Averaging 40 plus points per game, but still winning comfortably and winning by, you know, real big margins. Hey, Rod, Rod, one thing I want to mention on this, I'll, I'll grab you one second, Jerry. The one thing I want to say uh, about the whole 
projection as far as the clock rule. Blake Monroe came up with a good stat. He found it the other day. Roughly six plays per offense are have been cut in week zero. Yeah. In those college football games where there's seven games or so, yeah, six plays, like five and a half to five and three quarters, something like that, yeah. were exactly. cut from each side. That's almost two possession. That's two three and outs. Yeah. And so that could have – a a real toll on offensive output. Jerry, what'd you want to say? Yeah. So the, the 40 point per game number to me, it's kind of, I don't know. You could average over 40 easily with this schedule and not really be a team that it's truly scores 40. If you average is 40, Texas scored 52 on ULM last year. They scored 41 on UTSA. The non-conference schedule is easier this year because Wyoming is not UTSA. So Texas could run up the number in two games where last year they only had really a chance to run it up in one, and they still scored 41 against UTSA. So that can be a hidden number. But is Texas going to average 40 against Alabama in the Big 12? I would say no. That's a great not losing point, a possession. Yeah, take, take away the teams. That, right. You know, I agree. Yeah. Hey, no, I Jerry. want to see how much, how much they score versus the three high, three down. How much yeah. you score versus that TCU defense, K-State, Iowa State. That's I would love to see that. Give me that number. Those <laughs> are the ones. That's the just to be clear before I go to this next one, Rod. That is your big, big thing. Sark, yes. in your opinion, in Texas in general, has struggled against the three high, three high safety look that yes. Iowa State, TCU, and who who else runs it now? Uh, K-State uh, runs it, too. Um, they they major in it. Our Arkansas was obviously running it on that schedule in 2021. But it is schematically the numbers that I've crunched that Sark's teams average, if you look at the offensive output, you're talking about averaging nine fewer points per game compared to his average. And then you get into double digits when you just oppose it to the, de- the traditional single high and two high defenses that he's seen compared to the three high. So it, it, it works. I mean, I'll, I'll dive into it in football theory one day, but it's effective versus Sark's offenses is compatible. It works. So I, I, I think he's working on it. One of the keys is, and we'll get into it later. I think he's bringing in Paul Chris in that power running game specifically to try to, to remedy and solve that issue because the power running game works really well. If you can execute it versus the three high three down. Got it. Uh, I got to. I got to bring this up. E Kim is a guy that that's on a lot with us. Uh, Jerry, did you find? Did Bobby find you a sponsorship deal for beef jerky? No, but all of these super chats go towards Jerry's beef jerky fund. Just just so you guys know, Jerry is on the road uh, covering recruiting more than anybody I know uh, for Inside Texas and on three. Uh, Jerry, uh, uh, we will try to either get you a sponsorship deal. Or these super chats will fund you. Um, Elijah Perez, Rod B, how does defense prepare for a guy who your roster doesn't have a direct comparison for on scout team? For example, Jalen uh, Jalen Milrow or JT Daniels. They do have a reasonable Jalen Daniels. Jay, Jaylen oh, Jaden Daniels out of Kansas. Kansas, yeah. Oh, okay, I, I thought they were going to talk about JT Daniels. I'm mm-hmm. like, they have a reasonable approximation there. Rod, oh. your answer? This is a great question. And it honestly, I, I, I even talked about this with the Trey Lance uh, trade, actually. I said, if you're the Cowboys and you're looking at Trey Lance, he, the immediate impact he can make right now is as your third-team quarterback, as the scout team quarterback for Dan Quinn's defense. Twice a year, you got to play 
uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, and you got to play Daniel Jones. That's four games a year in your division. You got to play 700 plus rushing uh, yard rushing yards for a quarterback who are that productive. Uh, so I think for the Cowboys, one of the reasons they they got Trey Lance, I think it's a Dan Quinn influence. He's saying, "Hey guys, I need a scout team quarterback to get ready when I play Josh Allen later in the year." And I think that's part of the reason he can have an immediate impact to help the Cowboys defense, actually, not necessarily the offense, because he can be that guy. Same thing for Texas. I do think you actually need one of those guys on your roster at all times, college or pro level. Too many uh, dual threat quarterbacks at every level now. There are actually more design runs for dual threat quarterbacks than scrambles in the NFL. So I would argue even on your practice squad, third team quarterback, whatever, you need a dual threat quarterback to help you prepare to give you a good look and simulation and practice for those quarterbacks. And I'm with you. Sark actually doesn't have that. Texas doesn't have that. They don't. There's no way they that they can really simulate that in practice if there is a true dual threat quarter, opposing quarterback. One of the guys we talked about this morning is, is Savion Red, trying to, to emulate that kind of shiftiness but I don't even think – I mean, he was a high school quarterback. I don't think they're going to move him because he actually needs reps at running back. I, I just yeah. don't think you can do it. Well, I brought it's up like, Juan, it's like you I couldn't prepare Juan. for Vince Young, guys. I mean, good I luck. I brought up Juan Davis, but he's the third team tied in, so I don't know if you can really hmm. do that. But no. Juan Davis is the guy from a size standpoint, the movement skills that played quarterback in high school. Hey, Thank guys, I'm Rod, This is another you one know, for you. No, Bobby, you know who it is? It's Arch. He runs 20 miles per hour. What are we thinking? <laughs> Come on. That, that's easy. That's easy. Uh, Arch, baby. <laughs> hey, Rod, this one's for you from James McGann. Who is one player you saw as an older player your senior year in the DB room where you were like, okay, he's going to be a player. Just give him time. Oh, man, that's easy. Um, Huff Daddy was one of those guys. Uh, hell, Aaron Ross, when I first saw him, Aaron Ross took a little while. I remember initially, I was supposed to end up playing with Aaron Ross and never did because of other issues. Uh, and I, I remember Coach Akina telling me, he's like, Oh man, one of these guys, one of these young guys is gonna, he, he's gonna be a finalist for the Thorpe Award, man. I guarantee you. Uh, those of you know, end up getting two award winners for the Thorpe right. Award. They were that <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, no, it, it was easy. Like I said, I saw that Michael Huff that Nathan Basher, uh, Huff Daddy, that those guys, you know, Cedric Griffin, those guys had higher upside than I than I ever did as an overall player. Um, but I'm a competitor, and I know ball. And I knew those youngsters, it'll take them a while to at least get on my my level, at my football acumen. So I said, I told them all, I said, man, both, all of y'all going to be better than me one day, and all of y'all going to be drafted higher than me one day, but y'all ain't taking my job. It's just that simple. And they didn't. I started for three years. They never took my job. They got on the field, but they didn't take my job. So that's that's my that's my claim to fame with that group. <laughs> hey, somebody brought up Jelani McDonald as the as the scout team quarterback in a game like that. Now he that that's a pretty good one. Good job. Ooh. I don't know who brought that up, but credit to you. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant society here with the super chat. Two questions: Will this Texas team be better than the 2024 team? How does our OL match up with the OU? DL, I'll be at the Rice game. Hook them. This Texas team should be better than the 2024 team, in my opinion. Unless there's the only caveat to that, guys, is we don't know what Texas is going to do in the portal. That's why I can't answer the question. I mean, that's what that's why you can't answer it. I mean, they they get two two wide receivers in the portal that can go. 
And all of a sudden, they've got another quarter. If Quinn were to come back or they've got Arch or Malik, I, I don't know. Um, how does our OL match up with OU's DL? And uh, Freelance says he'll be at the Rice game. What are y'all's thoughts on Texas OL versus OU DL? It looked like a mismatch last year, and that was last year. I, I think Oklahoma's still undersized on the defensive line. And, 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 I, and I think that affects you against Texas because Texas is the SEC size offensive line they're playing in the Big 12. And yep. that's going to give Oklahoma fans a preview of next year in the next couple of years in the SEC. But I think Oklahoma's undersized on the defensive front. Um, and, and, look, I think Brent Venables can really coach and scheme on defense. But I think they're undersized. I think Texas has a pretty decent advantage in that game up front. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Robert Muhammad here, uh, Super Chat. Over and under versus Rice. Uh, Jerry, I'm going to – you do this first, <laughs> and then we'll go down it. Rice, three turnovers, four sacks. This is a lot. 200 rush yards, 350 passing. Who is the best chance of scoring two TDs in the game? Oh, um, three turn. Let's do three turnovers first. I, I, I'm a push. <laughs> oh, you think it's going to be three, Rob? What about you? Oh, that's good. I'll go under with the turnovers. Okay, I'll go nice under as well. Yeah. Four sacks. I'm going five. I'm going the over. Oh, I like that. Actually, I'll I'll go with Jerry. I'll go push because I think they're going to throw it. I think they're going to throw it more than people expect early on. We know they're going to throw it when they get behind, but I think early on they're going to try to surprise Texas and throw the ball a little bit. 200 rush yards for Texas, 350 passing. 350 passing. That's a lot of yards because I don't know if the quarterbacks will be in that long and I don't know if they'll be throwing that much. I, 200 rushing yards definitely over or because I think Sarks going to try to run the ball once they get up. Yeah, and I'm going over rush under passing. I'll go over rush. I, I think Jerry's right under passing because I think the quarterback's going to stop throwing after a while. Ah, uh, I know, right? That's tough. I'll go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go under and under. I think they'll Ooh. do about 500 yards total offense, something yeah. like that. Uh, who has the best? I, I remember two possessions potentially, guys. Yeah, I know. Who has the best chance of scoring two TDs? Set He's the short. He may be the short yardage guy, so that that may be smart. I'm going to go with uh, Ad Mitchell. Oh, I like that. That's good. It's been showing off in camp. I'll go with JT Sanders. I oh. think you feature JT early on instead of X Man because you want to try to you want to distract defenses, get them to focus on something else. Got it. Somebody got time for a couple of defense this year. I mean, their secondary is their strength of their defense. Linebackers are returning, I think. Uh, defensive front's a big question for them. They don't match up well, Texas. Okay. Got it. So that's why you're thinking heavy run, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. All yes. right. Hey, Jerry, staying with you here. George Lopez, thanks for the uh, super chat. Who are the top DL targets in 2025? And great content. George, we appreciate the compliment, man. Yeah, in-state, there's two guys. Zion Williams at Lufkin's is a beast. Um, he's underrated nationally, but it'll get there. Um, Dylan Battle at Mansfield uh, Timberview, former teammate of Andre Kojo. Texas was the first Power 5 to offer him, I believe. Um, both those guys are actually going to be at the TCU-Colorado game. The Col this is TCU selling point game because Deion Sanders rolling into Dallas, right? Uh, but those guys will be at Texas. Texas is really targeting that September 17th weekend to get a lot of guys in. They'll have some guys in. I actually have another name to add to that, which we will after this live stream on Inside Texas. That's a big out-of-state name coming in uh, Saturday. 
Um, out of state, look, they like a kid named Brandon Brown at O'Galley in Melbourne. Keith, our Keith Niebuhr, a good friend and co-worker at On3 with the Gators site, the Florida site. He was over there the other day. Bo, uh, I'll have something on that uh, this weekend probably, but or later this week. But Bo Davis is talking to Brandon Brown from O'Galley. He's a lot like Byron Murphy. He's a little undersized, but this dude's explosive now. They also like a kid named uh, Giant Simon up in Jacksonville. Uh, D tackle. So those are a couple of guys out of state, but it's a better crop in state defensive line in 2025 on the interior versus 2024. That's not taking anything away from Alex January. I'm talking depth. Uh, but Zion Williams, a big time dude, and uh, Texas will be all in on him for sure. Right, and one, one more here uh, that's a recruiting related one, and then we're going to end it with a Quinn Ewers question, guys. Lim Boston said he asked this question Sunday, but please speak on what's the major difference between kids being recruited in the 2000s versus now? That's a good question. Social media, A11. So I've got a few. I think it's a great question. So much more media savvy. I'll say number one for me is personalized position-specific training. Mm. Can you imagine Rod Babers working out with ex-NFL DB guy that's coaching guys in Houston from when he's 15 on? That's a good point. Great like point. Marjan Hooks is doing with these wide receivers, like Nathan yeah. O'Neill's doing with defensive alignment. Um, I would say a second thing is the camps, the Nike camps, which have turned to Under Armour camps. There is so much more exposure in an AAU basketball sense, actually getting to go to a camp. And John Tay Cook goes one-on-one with Malik Muhammad at an Under Armour camp in Dallas. Man, yeah. That wasn't there for Rod B coming out of high school. No, nope. we knew Jerome Sapp and Rod were good. Maybe we had some workouts at North Shore a few times. They did, yeah. They, you know that. They work, yeah. yeah. Uh, but look, the camp setting was different. Um, nutrition is different at a younger age for these guys. So that's the football side. I'll tell you on the recruiting side, which is which is interesting to me, guys. Bobby said social media. I hundred percent agree. Now that that feeds into maybe the positive and negative side, but I think from a recruiting standpoint. It's never been more important to be genuine as a coach than now. Because mm-hmm. everything you've said at a press conference is on social media or on YouTube, and a parent or kid can go find it. So if a kid comes and visits your school and you tell him a big whopper, that there's a good chance they're going to be able to find the video of you saying something different and you're cooked mm-hmm. in recruiting. Yeah. So I, I think it's I think you've got to be very genuine now in the recruiting game. That's mm-hmm. my thought. I I agree. Rod, you were around that time. You you think you've seen and heard Jerry, myself, Justin Wells, those guys talk about recruiting these days. Mm -hmm. Anything that really strikes you as different because you were recruited. Uh, Yeah, I I do. I'm with you. I think they're savvier. I've got a chance to talk to some of these guys all around. They're just savvier about their brand. I mean, and that's that's part of growing up as a social like social media. You do have a brand even before you start monetizing it. Now with NIL, they can monetize it. But everybody has their 15 minutes of fame and they understand now that they have a window where they can cash in on that. So, yeah, they're just savvier. And they and they're all graduating early. I mean, guys, leave early. leaving early was not something that was something frequently done when I played at all. You know, you get, went to prom and then you kind of had the kind of natural transition out. Man, these guys don't go to prom. They, I mean, they get out early. That's a great point, Rod. That yeah. is a major yeah. difference. It really 14, is. 14 early enrollees in Texas 2023 20, recruiting class. Yeah, that wasn't – I mean, you may have you have had one – maybe one guy did that back in the day, but you didn't have a lot of guys doing that, man. Now you have guys doing that all the time. So, 
It, it is. It, I, and I agree with you, Jerry, about the great point about being genuine. And I don't know why politicians haven't figured that out, but they haven't figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> but you're so right, though. You can get called on your BS. And now they have social media. They got a platform to also call out their yeah, out. Yes. So I'm with you. It's hard to keep up with all those lies. So just be real. <laughs> hey, Rod, here's here's one uh, that, that I think of. No junior college players. Man. I mean, goodness gracious. Yeah. I mean, we used to, I used to have a, a database of 300, 350 D one signees that went Juco. Now there's like 50. Right. Great point, man. I mean, because of the portal and everything else and they, they don't have, there's no more prop 48, no more, you know, the, the test, mm -hmm. it's just all changed. Hey, hey can I ask a question to Rod? Because there's one more important, important part to this. Rod, when you were going through the recruiting process, obviously you had your, your group of friends, Jerome Sapp, some other guys. How often did you get on the phone and talk to other guys Mac Brown was recruiting in the class? Now, as, as, I'm glad you brought that up, Jerry, because you know the only man to do it? Tim Brewster. There you Tim go. Tim Brewster used to put us on like a conference call with <laughs> other recruits. He was brilliant. He would let us recruit each other. The Wood, my group, that's me, Sims, uh, you know, the Bo Scaife. We started talking to each other actually through Tim Brewster. That's why we came down early for summer workouts. He kind of he, he would put us on like three-way calls back there, like, hey, Rod Babers, man, I'm telling you, Sims talking about you, man. I was like, <laughs> Chris Sims is talking about that. I'm telling you, he brought you up. And I know he was he was BS and we all found it out later, but right. he was actually doing it. And you're right now, the players through social media and through yeah. the camps, all the best players know each other. I didn't know I knew of Corey Redding. I didn't know Corey Redding personally. These days, me and Corey Redding would have been cool our like junior year, That's hanging right. out, kicking it. These days, you those those circles, man. They start they start forming a whole lot quicker between the best elite players. I, I admire. I would I would I pick up the Houston Chronicle so I can look at the stats about Sammy Davis and all the cornerbacks that I was competing against. But I would have loved to go to a camp and compete against Sammy Davis and also go against the best wide receivers in the area. That is a blessing that these guys get to do it, man. Because it would have made me a better player, no doubt. All right, last one, guys, for this one. This is that's a great answer and a great question that kind of yeah, awesome. revealed more information than maybe I even thought going into it, by the way. I appreciate that, Rod and Jerry both. Ski Breck, is Quinn going to have significantly more time this year due to our pass protection improvement? The reason I brought this up question. is because it's not all on Quinn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, and so for these plays to, to develop downfield, they can't all be heavy. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Oh, goodness. The heavy run fake. Yeah. yeah the play action pass. That. Yep. Play action. Mm -hmm. It can't all be play action. It's got to be some true drop back. And to do that, you got to have better pass pro. And you can't use both tight ends every time and keep your back in. How much does pass pro improvement help Quinn, vice versa? You guys? Uh, I'll just go real quick. It's yeah. huge. Uh, I just watched the Baylor game again a couple of days ago. It, Guys, Dave Rand, I'll bring it up again, got to Texas five times, sacked uh, Texas quarterback five times, and they used a lot of what we call the, the ghost fronts, the amoeba fronts. You line up seven, eight guys across the line of scrimmage. 
you simulate pressure, you send four, you drop three or you drop four and send three, whatever it may be. And that really confuses the, the pass protection. All right. Whatever pass protection they set usually may end up being wrong. The quarterback is responsible for the free rusher. That's a young Quinn yours who also was a little discombobulated. It was a great scheme and nobody had done that to Texas all year long. I do believe Alabama will take some of that because they can do it and they'll use that against Texas too. kind of the, those simulated pressure fronts that Dave Rand did a great job of, of, of coming up with and creating against Texas. Also, I think Texas should go more empty formation next season. I know I've been tracking this for like three years. Empty formation. I know it sounds crazy, but the sack rates actually dropped for Texas in empty formation. And they have over the last three years that I've been tracking it. And it speeds up the internal clock of the quarterback. He yeah. knows I got to get the ball out quickly. There's no pre-snap show disguised by the defense. You got to get to your alignment assignment right away. Cleans up everything. And you can easily see where the matchup advantages are across the board. That last game versus Washington in the Alamo Bowl, that was the best game Quinn Ewers had out of empty. I believe he was seven and eight out of empty formation. He was dealing because the clock has sped up and he was comfortable in the scheme. I think that may be a little cheat code you can throw out there to help you in pass pro this year because they know pass rush when there's empty formation. It ain't enough time for you to get to the quarterback because the ball's going to be out like that. I'll say this. How important is pass pro improvement? I hate to put it on one position, the game in Tuscaloosa, but if Texas plays well in the offensive line and pass pro, I think Texas can walk out with a win. If they don't, I think they're, they have no shot. Ding, 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 baby. Yep. <laughs> when doesn't have time in Bama? Yep. No shot. And I can put money on it, guys. I'm telling you, you're going to see those same pressure packages you saw from Dave Aranda that got to Texas five times. All right, you're going to see them in that Alabama game. I can almost put, I, I'll put money on it if Vegas will allow me to do it. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. Guarantee you. <laughs> All right. Hey, one last thing. I got to say this. Nick Louie, I, I didn't get your question in. Uh, you get the next one for, on us uh, over the over the weekend or whenever you come in next. Uh, Guys, before we let you go, Aaron Justin Jones. Wells, our, our uh, friend at InsideTexas.com, it was Aaron Jones is the running back for the Green Bay Packers. That was from El Paso. Ah. Hey, for you, Tim. Come on. All right. All right, guys. Hey, that's going to do it for tonight. Tomorrow night, Rod is back with Justin Wells, by the way. Aaron Hogan is going to join as the hey. host of show, a friend of uh, Rod's and uh, someone I've known for a long time. Uh, we appreciate them so much. Uh, we've got two more. Nine uh, from this. I got to read this. It just came in. Ninety-three would be a bit disappointment, so that's not likely. Bobby gets a self-proclaimed pessimistic pass. Jerry and Rod, ten and two. Buckle up them bird dog shorts and say it with me: twelve and zero, and we beat Bama by thirteen. Ooh. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you guys tomorrow morning for coffee and football. For Rod, Jerry, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been the Longhorn live stream.